With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. It's the day before Friday. The weekend's almost here. It's Mother's Day weekend. I think I want to surprise my mother. Uh, but anyway, happy Thursday uh, to you and yours. Uh, welcome to Fearless with Jason Whitlock. I am Jason Whitlock, your host. Uh, we have an awesome, spectacular, fabulous show planned for you today. Uh, two of my favorite Fearless soldiers, Shamika Michelle and Steve Kim, uh, will be here. Uncle Jimmy will come in and uh, help me with an approval rating off of my fire starter. Uh, and we're going to talk today uh, about Dave Chappelle and, and what just recently happened to Dave Chappelle on show while performing in Los Angeles. Uh, and boy, do I have a take for you. All right, so uh, let's get this fire and this party started. Uh, will Smith did not beget Isaiah Lee, the 23-year-old wannabe rapper who attacked comedian Dave Chappelle. Black Lives Matter, that's who bred Isaiah Lee. On the surface, it makes sense to assume that Will Smith's slap heard round the world inspired Lee to run on stage at the Hollywood Bowl and tackle Chappelle Tuesday night. A month ago, Smith struck Chris Rock on the Oscar stage, calmly sauntered back to his front row seat, berated Rock from the audience, and 20 minutes later returned to the stage to deliver an acceptance speech for the night's biggest award. Will Smith and the Academy Awards set an ugly precedent. The wildly popular actor assaulted an extremely popular comedian for a harmless joke and suffered no real consequences for his lawless behavior. Like the rest of America, I'm sure Isaiah Lee took note of Smith's brazen act. But I'm equally sure Lee did not fashion himself as the second coming of Will Smith, a billionaire celebrity. Now, Lee's role models are the entitled, angry, and identity-confused victims who fashioned themselves as social justice warriors under the names Black Lives Matter and Antifa the enforcement arms of the Democratic Party and the LGBTQIA alphabet mafia. Like the rest of America, for nearly a decade, Isaiah Lee has watched BLM and Antifa rioters burn and loot cities, physically intimidate and harass their opponents without suffering legitimate consequences for their lawless behavior. If a BLM or Antifa supporter sees or hears something they don't like, they've been encouraged to take swift, violent action in response. Kamala Harris, LeBron James, and social media influencers will defend their actions and raise money for their legal defense. That is the fate Isaiah Lee envisions for himself. He sees himself as a mercenary in the BLM LGBTQIA+, replacement theory culture war. He expects to be treated as a hero among the Confederation of Revolutionaries, replacing, quote, Western civilization prescribed nuclear family structure with extended families and villages that collectively care for one another, especially our children, to the degree that mothers, parents, and children are comfortable, end quote. See, remember, that's the goal of Black Lives Matter. It was one of the organization's original public policy positions. BLM didn't say replace nuclear family structure. It said disrupt the nuclear family structure. It's the same thing. The Alphabet Mafia wants to replace God's natural order for family. 
That's the replacement theory destroying America. Dave Chappelle is a dues-paying member of a nuclear family. He lives in small town Ohio with his wife and kids. That family structure informs his humor and point of view. It's why he's had such a hard time in Hollywood. He struggles to get completely on board with the Hollywood agenda. He complained about and subsequently refused to wear a dress for a role in a movie. He mocks transgenderism. The LGBTQIA wing of the Alphabet Mafia despises Dave Chappelle. They want him silenced. Shortly after being attacked, Chappelle jokingly described Lee as transgender. There's no evidence that's true. There is evidence that Lee fits the profile of a disaffected BLM and Antifa mercenary. Lee grew up a ward of the state and was eventually raised by an activist grandmother who died unexpectedly when Lee was 14. In recent years, he lived with his brother and his brother's girlfriend. Neighbors told reporters that Lee was volatile and easily frustrated. He posted social media pictures of himself wearing devil horns. He painted his fingernails black. Lee is not a Will Smith wannabe. Lee looks like the kind of guy leftist billionaires fly all over the country to promote mayhem whenever a white police officer harms a resisting black criminal suspect. Black Lives Matter created Isaiah Lee. America's rotting family structure created Isaiah Lee. The rot is far more than our rapidly rising divorce and illegitimacy rates. It's not just bastard and divorced parent kids running wild in major cities. Pampered, delusional, ungrateful, and bitter two-parent kids are running wild on college campuses. Too many American parents have prioritized money, flat screen TV, smartphones, laptops, video games, lavish vacations, designer clothes, and multiple cars well ahead of faith, authentic engagement, patriotism, discipling, and fostering a culture of forgiveness and gratitude. America has raised a generation of bitter and narcissistic radicals. Our young people are obsessed with recording their own personal history. They're stars of their own Truman shows. Isaiah Lee jumped on stage because he needed the content for his YouTube page and Instagram feed. It's the same reason thousands of idiots swarm Kenosha to protest the shooting of Jacob Blake or Minneapolis to protest George Floyd's assisted suicide slash murder. The protesters, they're content creators. In hopes of building a profitable following, they record everything on their smartphones. If they're lucky, they could be the next Sean King or DeRay McKesson. Isaiah Lee wants to be a rapper. That's about all he has in common with the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Everything else about Lee screams Jussie Smollett and Black Lives Matter. He's a bitter opportunist looking to elevate his profile and a sad victim of the decay of the American family. Mm. That's my fire starter. I've been watching uh, everybody across the internet, on TV, uh, make the allegation, uh, this is Will Smith's fault. If, if, if Will Smith hadn't struck Chris Rock, Isaiah Lee wouldn't think that he could uh, attack Dave Chappelle. Disagree. Dis the, Isaiah Lee, I, I don't know him, but he's not that stupid. He knows that Will Smith is a billionaire celebrity and that he doesn't operate in the same space, atmosphere, altitude, as Will Smith. That guy took his cues from the smashing grabbers, the rioters, the looters, the arsonists. That guy is someone who probably after he gets released from jail and once Antifa and Black Lives Matter get back and it looks like that's going to happen soon with the whole Roe v. Wade protest going on, he'll be getting shipped around the country
funded by George Soros and other leftist billionaires, shipped around the country to cause mayhem in any city that's sponsoring the protest. That's the profile he fits. The people you saw burning Kenosha, the people that you, what was the guy, Joseph Rosenbaum in Kenosha, that, that Kyle Rittenhouse busted a cap in his ass? That's, that's who this guy, Isaiah Lee, reminds me of, not Will Smith. He's, and look, Rosenbaum, any of, any of these radicals, the blue hairs, the nose ring types, the people with tattoos everywhere, I feel sorry for all of them. I really do. The American family structure has been so dismantled, we're producing radical, nutty, bitter kids who think it's their job to go out and change America and make a cha- America bend to their bitterness. It's our neglect. Isaiah Lee is a reflection of our collective neglect of the American family and our misguided priorities. We're not raising kids anymore. We're allowing them to grow up in front of a television, in front of a video game, in front of a smartphone. And we wonder why they're so uh, uh, poor at socially interacting with each other. We wonder why all disagreements potentially lead to violence, that there is no conflict resolution, there is no Hey, I, I, uh, I agree to respectfully disagree. There's no mystery here. These kids haven't been raised properly. They haven't been raised at all. Now, Isaiah Lee is a worst case scenario, ward of the state, parents not involved, some 60, 70 year old grandparent trying to stand in the gap for irresponsible parents. But that's commonplace. But but it's also even with these two parent families, many of them have been destroyed and they don't know it. They're not engaging and developing their kids. They're showering them with affection or what they believe is affection, material gifts. They're helicopter parenting to them. They're affirming all of their mistakes and lying to them. Everybody's the greatest. You can do no wrong. The teachers are wrong. And then they grow up in school systems where these nut job teachers don't want to teach them reading, writing, and arithmetic. They want to have long talks about their sexuality. And they want to share their personal stories about their own sexuality. Everybody is a movie star who deserves to be interviewed. And so you have all these blue haired nose ring, uh, fat, ugly people. I'm sorry for saying it and include me in it. Talking about myself. But they want to sit in front of a captive audience of children and talk about themselves and who they married, and who they're having sex with. We've allowed a perversion within our school systems and have allowed our kids to be perverted by these perverts. And we wonder why they they wanna paint their fingernails black and jump on stage with a fake gun and a knife and attack at a comedian. We've neglected these young people, our, our family structure, has been completely destroyed and our priorities as families have been, are completely misguided. So uh, I don't don't wanna reduce this and I think it's inappropriate. Oh yeah, Will Smith did this, that's why he did it. No, 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 we did this. America as a whole, we've allowed the nut jobs to lead our society. We've allowed the godless 
to lead our society. We've allowed the people that want to disrupt nuclear families to lead our society. We think anything goes. I don't have a problem with gay people. I really don't. But I don't see them as suitable parents. The, 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 you can't convince me. Show me any other animal in the kingdom where the same sex gets together and decides we're going to raise the kids. Everybody else, male and female, get together, have different roles and responsibilities, and raise up their young. That's what's intended. If God intended for two men to raise a child, you could get pregnant through anal penetration or through oral sex. You could get pregnant if that's what was intended, but that's not what was intended. And so this whole disruption of the nuclear family is a disruption and destruction of America. And so all of these young people who have not been properly raised in disciple, they're running wild on college campuses, they're running wild in the street, and Isaiah Lee is running wild at the Hollywood Bowl. This ain't on Will Smith. It's on us, the cowards who have allowed this to happen. This connects to my conversation yesterday about men and how cowardly we are and how we're even afraid to stand up and say what we really think. The things that I've just expressed here about all these different definitions of family and who all and who isn't uh, proper people to raise young people. I'm not saying anything controversial. I'm not saying anything illogical. It's just we all live in fear. And again, I, I have more freedom. I, 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 I don't want to beat up on y'all. I don't have kids. I'm not married. And I don't work in a corporate environment where I can be punished for saying what I really think. I'm blessed. I'm lucky. But at some point, if the rest of us don't stand up and draw a line in the sand with these nut jobs, we're all going to be afraid to go out in these streets. We're all going to be afraid to go out and enjoy a concert because people like Isaiah Lee, the people we have neglected, are going to try to harm us. That's what's happening. All right, uh, Shamika Michelle, uh, welcome uh, back to the show. Uh, I, 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 I'm, and again, I, I don't, I have not talked with Shamika. I don't know where she stands on any of this. But uh, I blame Black Lives Matter, not Will Smith, uh, for Isaiah Lee and the attack on Dave Chappelle. Uh, am I crazy? I don't think you're crazy. There's only one thing that I disagreed with during your monologue. And that was when you said he's not that stupid. The lump on his head and that displaced shoulder determined that was a lie. <laughs> because apparently <laughs> he is very stupid. Uh, listening to you, Jason, I have to agree with you. And I think one of the things or there's a couple of things that we're doing wrong as parents and while we see this generation of kids acting the way that they do, we don't we no longer have an understood hierarchy that's gone. And we no longer raise our kids with values or a standard of behavior. And that hierarchy used to be seen. We had God man, woman, child. We've gotten rid of God. We've gotten rid of man. Now we have women just running amok, wanting to be in charge, raising kids without values or standards of behavior. And when it comes to the hierarchy, we saw this everywhere, not just in the home, but we used to see it in church. When you went to church, you knew that the pastor was in charge. Under the pastor, maybe were, uh, were, were the deacons or the older people in the church. When you went to school, you knew that the teacher 
teacher was in charge. Over the teacher was the principal. If you went to work, you knew there was a manager in charge. We had an understood hierarchy that we were okay with. Now we are raising these kids to feel like they don't have to answer to anyone. That's why they're running in the streets doing exactly what they want to do. That's why they go to school and curse out their teachers. We have allowed this. And Christians have had the, we've had the, we're supposed to be the watchman on the wall. People have fallen asleep. Nobody's watching. Nobody's sparing, uh, crying loud and sparing not. We're not speaking up. Everyone is too afraid. So we've watched them dismantle the nuclear family and also destroy values and hierarchy. And this is why we have these kids out here acting the way that they do. We have done this by allowing them to feel um, like they're partners with us. There's a doctor called uh, Shafali Sayberry. She wrote a book called The Conscious Parent, where she teaches parents that you're supposed to be partners with your children and that you should teach them that just their existence delights you. That is crazy. Now your existence, I love you because of that, but there are things that you have to do to delight me. You have to have good grades. You have to act like you have some sense. You have to respect me as a parent. You don't get to just walk around here and your very existence is supposed to delight me. And we have a generation of kids that feel like just their existence is enough. It's not enough. They have no standards of values and they, they have no respect. What you said really hit home with me and took me to one of the things I, I share often is that, uh, and again, my parents divorced when I was five years old, but uh, my father and mother stayed very involved uh, with me and my brother. And, and one thing that was hammered home in my head constantly was, don't you do anything that embarrasses me. Don't embarrass his Whitlock name. And so I carry that with me even to age 55. It's like I'm responsible for not just myself, but making sure I don't embarrass Jimmy and Joyce Whitlock. And, and, and I, when, when the family structure has been so disintegrated, it's like Isaiah Lee, Again, and through tragedy, who knows what happened with his parents? His his grandmother dies suddenly when he's 14. But there's nobody whose name he's trying to live up to. And th that's what I see from young people constantly from these tattered and strong families. It's like they don't care about their own name or, or, or feel like they're out representing other people. And, and, a, and Lord knows no one, we certainly have thrown out like, oh, I'm a Christian and there, there's certain things I have to do because I'm a Christian. We, that doesn't even cross our minds anymore. But it also doesn't cross your minds like my parents, my brothers and sisters, if I do some crazy stuff, it's a bad look for them. And I, I, I mean, <laughs> my father <laughs> gave me the worst whooping and I'm not, I don't know how I feel about whoopings now, but they certainly helped me. Uh, but my father gave me the worst whooping for farting. And I didn't understand why it was such a big deal. But in his mind, it embarrassed him. And so don't you, because, you know, don't you dare fart out loud. Don't you do people looking, blah, blah, blah. And that's the worst whooping I ever got from my father, because he told me not to do it. And I did it again. And he's like, boy, you thought I was, <laughs> thought I was playing. But I, I that, my name representing Whitlock's, and, and just to be completely honest, Whitlock really ain't my last name because my father never knew his father. Uh, but I, I carry that name, and my brother carries the name, and my mother, even in divorce, even carries that name. We carry it with pride, and I don't want to do anything to embarrass my mother or father or brother or my stepsister or you know anybody connected to the blaze. But we just, this 23-year-old boy is just out there drifting in the wind and trying to make his own movie. 
First of all, I want to say thank you to your father because he just lifted a weight off my shoulder. Me and my kids were laughing recently. Uh, my oldest daughter, when we were in church, she was about three or four years old. No, she was probably older than that, maybe five. A, a woman came up to her and snatched one of her ponytails. And so she snatched the lady's hair back, but the lady had on a wig and snatched it off. I was so embarrassed. That was probably <laughs> the worst whooping she ever got. So now that you got... Uh, whip for a fart, I feel a lot better. <laughs> you know, I feel like that was a little justified. <laughs> but yeah, we we have to do better as parents. You know, I, I think that we, of course, a lot of times we may have felt that some of the values our parents placed on us were a little burdensome. So we don't want to do the same thing to our children, but we have to find a, a balance because we have so many kids out here. We are teaching them oppression. And it's like they're in the oppression Olympics. Instead of feeling like they can do bigger and better things than we did, they are actually running around here as if they are growing up in 1922 or 1822 opposed to 2022. And they run around with so much oppression and so much uh, negativity that it's crazy to me. But we have to look at ourselves as parents and as a community, not only was I afraid to embarrass my mother, I didn't even want a neighbor to see me doing something wrong because back in those days, your neighbor would get you and then tell your parent that they got you and your parent would get you again. We have really lost the idea of it takes a village to raise a child and we have to do better as, as adults. That's one of the reasons I love this show. I love working for Blaze. Like you said, it's not corporate uh, uh, corporate America and you get to say exactly how you feel. That's important because we're going to really have to stand up and speak out because these children, if we don't do something now, 20 years from now, it's going to be worse than it is now because we have these kids who are going to find a way to have children if they don't kill them all. And what? how are they going to raise them? We already lack values and we already lack the hierarchy of the respect that we used to have. It's only going to get worse. And of course, like you said, the men are going to have to stand up, but we're going to have to support you, you all as women and stop trying to fight against you and wanting to be in charge and wanting to undermine everything that you attempt to do. You know, the point you made about this oppression Olympics that we got going on is when I think about my parents, again, they're born, I think, in the 30s. If my, my mother's 82, does it, that, that makes her in the 30s. I think 39, something like 1939, she's born. And so one of the things that they recognized, my parents was like, whoo, yeah, America's got some racial history and white folks sure can be prejudiced. But they also had the, the knowledge of like, holy cow, look at the world my kids are born into and what we accomplished, my generation, Dr. King and that generation, look at all this opportunity that's out there. And so my father wasn't a big fan of white people, but he was even less of a fan of excuses. He's like, what you got to complain about with all this opportunity? If I'd had this kind of opportunity, my God, you know. And so it was like they wanted me to participate in the Opportunity Olympics because mm -hmm. they saw like, wow. I mean, because my mother can tell stories to this day about, you know, couldn't go to this shopping store uh and, and try on the clothes. Black kids weren't allowed to try on the clothes that they were gonna buy. buy. You just had to buy them and hope they fit when you got home. And, and, and she, so she saw dramatic change and saw dramatic opportunity and, and did everything to make sure that me and my brother could go get that opportunity. And now I look at this current generation of kids and it's almost like they've been raised to go look for the oppression rather than the opportunity, and that's because this latest generation of parents, my generation of parents, clearly 
uh, have just misguided, have been misled. Someone has, has told them, go look for oppression. That's where your value is. And, and that may be because so many of the black middle class elite use perceived slights as a way to elevate themselves in their corporate jobs and to threaten uh, their white uh, supervisors or employers uh, with accusations of racism. And so maybe the accusations of racism or oppression is, their, is the greatest value they feel like they bring to their job where I just have never felt that way. It's like, no, no, I can write the best columns in the country. I can go on TV and talk as well as anybody in the country. I got ideas and blah, blah, blah. I, I don't need to accuse you of racism to justify my value. I, I, I just, there's so much opportunity and that's what I just see for young people and instead they're out looking for oppression. Yes, yeah, some things we have to just go back to the old school for, Jason. You know, my children all have more updated iPhones than I have. And I can tell you, if my daughter with an iPhone 13 were to come to me and have any excuse to not excel, I would slap the black off her. There is no way with everything that has been afforded to you, everything that's been placed in front of you, that you won't do your best. And we have to just, you know, some things, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And one of the things we were required to do was to excel. It didn't matter. It didn't matter if that our parents told us we had to be 10 times better. This is what was required of us. We had values or standards of behavior. And that's what I give my kids. And that is what we have to do. Some things don't need to be changed. Progression is not always the answer in every situation. Some things we need to just stick to what works. And having values for our kids and making sure they reach those standards, that worked. We need to get back to that. Shamika, uh, thank you for the time. Uh, I'm going to move on to uh, Steve Kim. Uh, but before I do any of that, I want to tell you guys about my friends at Patriot Mobile. Now the DHS has created a department designed to combat disinformation. One has to wonder what's next. Free speech is under attack, which is why I'm proud to support Patriot Mobile, America's only Christian conservative cell phone provider, and they are passionate about free speech and your constitutional rights. Patriot Mobile has plans to fit any budget and their 100% US-based customer support team provides exceptional customer support. Go to patriotmobile.com Jason or call 972-PATRIOT. Get free activation with the offer code Jason. Veterans and first responders save even more. So make the switch today. It's time we support companies that love America, love you, and share our values. Be a good, fearless soldier. Support Patriot Mobile. Uh, Steve Kim. X. All right, welcome back. Uh, time to roll out to Los Angeles and bring in the Korean Cosell. Talk a little LeBron and Lakers, Draymond Green, uh, Barstool President uh, Dave Portnoy had some interesting things to say. Uh, but I want to start, Steve, by asking your reaction to uh, my take on uh, Dave Chappelle's attacker and, and saying that don't blame Will Smith, blame Black Lives Matter uh, for this idiot attacking Dave Chappelle. I'm glad you asked, Jason. First of all, uh, good afternoon. Uh, I jotted down some notes here on this index card. By the way, the original tablet. I still use these. I'm old school. All right, a couple things here. <laughs> Number one, I, I, I want to get a little humorous. I saw the picture of him being loaded up into that uh, paramedics thing or that ambulance. He looked worse than Martin Lawrence during the, probably the most classic episode of Martin ever, when he ended up boxing Tommy Hearns. You remember that? They're doing a charity event. The hitman is hitting on Gina. Martin got upset and he called him the get hit man. And then Tommy Hearns blasted him like he was Pepino Cuevas in that classic last scene where Martin comes out looking like a Bocker's chocolate chip cookie. 
maybe the greatest scene ever in sitcom history. But uh, <laughs> the interesting thing that that's interesting um, to me about it, the point that you made about him being trotted out and now being used as a symbol for a certain cause or a certain philosophy, which is really the philosophy of grievance, as Thomas Sowell once dubbed it years ago. The hypocrisy is the very same people that will stick up for him on social media. They might even bail him out, may fund his legal defense, fly him out to different rallies. These very same people, if they had to live next to him, would be horrified. In fact, that's the reason why all these people live in gated, mostly white communities, because they don't want to deal with it. In fact, I saw a video earlier this morning from a black conservative perspective, a BCP, Greg Foreman, does a great job, watch him often. He actually detailed how much of an issue he was living in LA with his brother and her girlfriend, how every week there was some sort of disturbance. He was handcuffed once or twice, taken away. There were loud arguments out in the corners of the street and it became a general nuisance to everyone that lived around it. So that's the other issue. Now you talk about the, um, aspect of doing this for attention or as they say now clout chasing or trying to be the next superstar it reminded me of the only presidential assassination that i think me and you have actually lived through that we can remember jason is 1981 john hinckley when he tried to shoot uh ronald reagan i believe it was in cincinnati and he did it to gain the affection of the actress jodie foster so this is nothing new. This has been done before. History repeats itself. But on a larger scale now, because of social media, you're right. You do something like this, at the very least, you get your Andy Warhol, what we all call the 15 minutes of fame. Yeah, we'll see how far he can milk that 15 minutes. And he may be able to milk it a great deal because I do think the uh, transgender community is probably going to rally around him. He, he attacked their favorite target, uh, Dave Chappelle. All right, uh, uh, Steve, I don't know if you saw this, but uh, Stephen A. Smith, not Stephen A. Kim, uh, <laughs> <laughs> suggested that uh, the Lakers trade LeBron James. Uh, he says that Russell Westbrook will be virtually impossible to move. Anthony Davis is a finished shot horse. He hasn't played basically half of the last two seasons. And so if the Lakers really want to improve, they should consider trading LeBron James for some young talent, perhaps to Cleveland. So he routed off some other places. Uh, what's your reaction? Can you, can you trade LeBron James, who averaged 30 points this year and doesn't look like he's going to slow down anytime soon? Oh, look, you could trade them. There's still value. The, the question is, who wants to deal uh, with all the other stuff that surrounds LeBron? Here's the alarming thing about LeBron James, who, when he's on the court, is still no worse than the second or third best player at that age, which is amazing. I don't think there's ever been a guy that old in the four major professional sports that was still this good or just flat-out dominant. The issue is, you go back to his first year as a Laker, uh, Jason, he's no longer A.C. Green. For a very long time, he was incredibly durable. He's not durable anymore. But also, you talk about the ancillary issues, which me and you have discussed. I believe the Lakers do have to move on. I, I've actually read reports that in their head coaching search, there's not a lot of guys lining up to want to go into that toxic waste that LeBron has been a large part in creating. This is what LeBron James has been throughout his life. For the first half of his career, or the last two years of his high school life in Akron, Ohio, all the way to about 2015, he was that young, fresh supermodel. Then he became the baddest girl on the block, and he was a dime. Then even at the end, he's by far the best-looking girl at your 10-year reunion. Then you get to the 20th reunion. Now she's got three kids, some cellulite, some cottage cheese on the thigh, and she's got three kids. And the guy literally is saying, well, at the end of my career, you have to have my son. So literally, he is like that really good single mom who's depreciating looks and her value. She's actually bringing along some luggage. And I've always said this about guys like LeBron. I, I call them LAX or the Guardia. They bring a lot of 
baggage. So the question is not if you can trade them. The question is what can you actually get back in return? Well, if you're a team trying to win a quick championship, and I think Stephen A. suggested the Miami Heat as a possible destination. Uh, hmm. and, you know, I think he threw out Bam, no Adebayo, and Tyler Hero and uh, as potential trade options. But Jason, if you are Miami and you want to, no, on, I mean, no, no. no. A hell to the no. If you're Pat Riley, I, I really believe, I don't know if he's ever said this, there still has to be some raw feelings from the way LeBron left years ago after what was relatively, oh, well, actually, it was a great four-year run. I believe they made the finals uh, three or four times, won two titles. I give the Heat credit. They are an organization that knows how to adjust on the fly. Pat Riley took that LeBron experience, got what he wanted out of it, and, and now it looks like the Heat, once again, are a very, very solid, stable franchise. What has been the history with LeBron James? Great early success. Then comes the restlessness period, and then he leaves you really with rubble. Right now, if you're the Miami Heat, you've got a good thing going why break that up for a guy that's at the very tail end of his career? It makes no sense from their uh, standpoint. I'll throw out another one that he that I found very interesting because it made Molly Karam gasp. He, he was like, hey, Donovan Mitchell wants out of Utah. He's a potential star. And Molly, Molly oh, what about his family? It was so kind. Oh, uh, his family can't live around all those white people in Utah. Steve, that would be miserable. That would be horrible. You know, he's got to uh, be in LA hey, in a gated community. Miss <laughs> uh, Carroll, with all due respect, his family now lives around white people. In fact, LeBron <laughs> and his family have been living around white people for about 20 years. Give me a break now. <laughs> If they want Pepsi, Coke, or any type of coffee, that might be an issue in Utah. But look, you can work around those things. But Molly, <laughs> they've been around the white folks. They're fine. Uh, let's move on to another interesting uh, topic in the NBA. Draymond Green. Draymond was tossed from game one of the series mm -hmm. with Memphis. Uh, he complained about that. Uh, he went off on fans, I believe, after game one or game two. He flipped him the bird and has been in a little controversy there. And, and it, it leads me to a question about Draymond Green being, in my view, overhyped. And, and I say that not to denigrate him as a player and a force on the court, but I think he's so volatile personality-wise, and people forget. Draymond cost the Golden State Warriors an NBA title. He's the one that allowed LeBron and the Cleveland Cavaliers to come off the deck and erase that 3-1 deficit in that NBA final series. And so as much as Steph Curry and Klay Thompson deserve a lot of credit for that Golden State dynasty, there's one and and you know, Kevin Durant obviously gets some credit as well, but if Draymond Green had held his composure there, if he hadn't let LeBron bait him into a confrontation, it, that again, that really is, in my view, is what allowed Cleveland to climb out of that 3-1 hole. And so I, I'm not denigrating great Draymond as a defender, as a facilitator, as a glue guy on the court, but his personality is so volatile, and, and volatile in it, because I don't remember Dennis Rodman ever costing his team an important mm. series. Now, Dennis Rodman was a nutcase and nuttier than Draymond Green, but I, mm. I, I just think Draymond, I, I consider him a bit overhyped, not as a player, but as a personality and and... You know, he, he's, he's, 
He's a different kind of Charles Barkley because as great a player as Charles was, if he had gotten in shape earlier in his career, he would have he would have accomplished more on the court. And so even and I, I love Charles, but I would have to say, as great as Charles's career was, he a bit underachieved because of his lack of maturity. And I, I'm going to say the same thing is going to hold true for Draymond Green. Well, wait, wait a minute. Let's go back to Rodman never costing a team with his behavior. I remember, and I'm sure you do too, remember when Akeem Olajuwon absolutely undressed the Admiral David uh, Robinson in his MVP year? That's the season that the Spurs were favored to win the NBA title till the Rockets got to him, and Akeem Olajuwon just had one of the greatest series I've ever seen. Rodman's behavior towards his coach, and I remember him uh, taking his shoes off on the bench, kind of pouting. That wasn't a great look, and I'm a big Dennis Rodman fan. Now, the comparisons with Charles Barkley, I think it's a little unfair. Bottom line is Draymond Green, for as valuable as he is in his versatility and the role that he plays, is very vital. Charles Barkley was an elite number one. Draymond Green, if he's the best player on your team, you're going to have a very limited team. So I, I don't I don't like that apples to oranges comparison, to be honest with you. Here's what I don't like about Draymond Green. He tries to be, on one end, Rowdy Roddy Piper, Mr. Mean, the heel, and then tries to be Hulkamania. Look, buddy, if you're going to stick the coconut in Jimmy Snuka's face, you're not going to be the fan favorite. You need to embrace it. Just the way uh, Bill Lane Beer did. Rick Mahorn. That's what I loved about, as much as I hated the late 80s Pistons, I actually began to like them because they stayed on brand. In fact, you know what, Jason? This is going to surprise you. After watching the uh, last dance, I respect the fact and enjoy the fact that the Pistons were very bitter and mean and nasty till the very end, and they just walked off the court in the 91 Eastern Conference Finals. That's what you are. That's what you are meant to be. You're not nice guys. You're poor sports, and I love you for it. What I don't like about Draymond Green is, on one end, he plays like McNasty, and then he tries to be Mr. Media Friendly and, and trying to explain it. No, 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 no. You can't have it both ways. You either have to be this guy or that guy. You can't be both. That's my biggest issue with Draymond. Mm. All right. Uh, let me move to a final topic I wanted to cover with you. Uh, I don't know. Did you see this uh, video from Dave Portnoy where he's talking about if Roe v. Wade gets overturned, he's going to vote Democratic. Let, let's let's watch the clip. If that is an issue, I'd vote Democrat. So it's a great boy. I don't understand. And I thought this in my head, too. It's like theoretically Republicans are like less government, small government. So like shouldn't Republicans be pro-choice because let the person now I know the argument. Yeah, you don't want the federal government making the laws. You want the state. But overall, the less government is just let a woman do what she wants with her body. Keep the government out of it. That's to me what that is. It's like, yeah, you can't ban it. If a woman wants it, great. She doesn't want it, great. Her choice, no government. Less government, less government. That, whatever. Mm -hmm. It's a crazy thing. It has to be said. People, I'm sure some people are like, that's not your thing. They're going to be mad. It's a super sensitive issue. I don't care. Certain issues, you have to be like, what the f*** are you talking about? This is one of them. Hmm. All right, so hmm. that's him talking about Roe v. Wade. I don't know if it's in this podcast or something he said earlier about why in 24 he thinks Joe Biden would be a better president than Donald Trump, at, which is amazing to say. And, and so I, I've been a fan supporter of, of Dave Portnoy, and, but I, I think we could be looking at a jump the shark uh, move away from the brand authenticity moment here. Uh, this to me, Dave Portnoy has been beat up so bad by corporate media and they've gone after his personal life and he's, I think he's so petrified of being me too that he's now saying inauthentic things. I think he's saying the deal about Roe v. Wade and I think he's jumping off uh, the Trump train. 
uh, to try to keep the Me Too crowd off his back. Right. I mean, all this talk of Roe v. Wade started coming up on my timeline, and I'm thinking the only thing I care about this week is Canelo versus Dimitri Bivol. And you start looking into this thing, oh, it's this. First of all, it's really about federal rights and state rights. No one is banning abortion, which she pointed out. Jason, like you, I have a great admiration and respect for Dave Portnoy. You don't have to like him, but I just respect his business acumen and the fact he's a real American capitalist and he's a go-getter. But as I said with Draymond Green, he is trying to please everyone. And when you try to please everyone, many times you please no one. And look, I don't know what he really feels about Biden. I don't really get into politics that much, but I will make this statement. Our dear country that I love, we could not take another six years of weekend at Biden's. Yes, I said weekend at Biden's. I went there. I, I Look, and I'm not even saying that that should be an endorsement for, for Donald Trump or anybody else. But with everything that has gone on in our country and the state of our current union and our culture, then you look at economics, you look at the cultural shifts, you look at the educational systems. Roe versus Wade, to me, wouldn't even crack the top five, six, seven issues, in my view, in terms of what is going on in America. Uh, I would just like to ask Dave one simple question. Um, do you actually think that Biden is doing an effective job of leading the country? That's what I want to know, because it's one thing to say, well, I think he's going to win if Trump is his, uh, his main rival. She may or may not be right. I'm not sure about that. But I, I would like to ask him, do you actually think Biden is worthy of another four years after this term? But again, I, I think you make a great point, Jason. He's now trying to play nice or placate the very same people that tried to destroy him about seven, eight months ago. And I'm not so sure that's the best way to go about things. Listen, I, I'm glad I'm not in his shoes and ha endured the kind of attacks that he has. Uh, but I, 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 there's a reason why if you're going to be that guy, uh, if you're going to uh, stick your finger out at the establishment and, and thumb your nose at the establishment, you, you gotta have your own house in order and cleaned up. And, and again, it's just it's like, I said this respectfully at the time. I was like, hey, man, you're a multimillionaire. You're leading a corporation. You got three, 400 employees counting on you. Date 25-year-olds and or above. You know, what are you doing running around with 20 and 21? I know it's legal, but that's all going to be problematic for you. And, and so that that's, I'm just telling you, when I hear this and I hear this kind of pivot, Donald Trump gave me an interview at, at the White House. And, and now I'm supposed to believe that, oh, you'd rather have Joe Biden as president, looking at the mess that we got. Heck, if you just look at Penn stock, I think Penn stock is down to 37 bucks. Uh, <laughs> right. uh, you know, I, I can't believe he's like, the, the, the kind of economic destruction we've seen, the inflation and just all the, I just don't believe it. And I, I just see it as like, well, they got him. They, they, they've beaten up on him so bad that he, he's finally giving in. And, you know, Roe v. Wade, ladies, I'm with you. And, and Trump resistors, I'm with you guys too. Just leave me alone. I just want to enjoy my money and, and, you know, do my podcast. Right. But it, it, I don't know, I'm kind of sad but behind it. Yeah, and Jason, and the problem is, once he made those comments, I know that he has created a very large audience, probably tens of millions, I think they call them stoolies, that hang on his every word, that have the same mindset, uh, they have the same philosophies in terms of life. And once he said that, I guarantee you, he probably turned off a good number of his own constituents. So it goes back to what I said a couple minutes ago. You try to please everybody, Oftentimes, you please nobody. Those guys have stuck with him, the stoolies, for a long time. But, you know, a lot of Barstool has gone woke. He, he's, mm. he's surrounded by woke employees. Uh, and, and again, if you look, pardon my take, their most popular <laughs> podcast, it's really woke. 
you know, mm. it has this feeling of being rebellious or whatever based off perception, but that thing is as woke as it comes. Uh, and so Dave's kind of been out on an island on his own in his own company, and he's finally bending. Well, someone will replace him. There'll be. So all, <laughs> we so saw the same thing with Bill Simmons. Right. Well, it's like that guy that creates a great restaurant, right? And it's a hit. Every plate is good. He makes a lot of money. But as soon as you begin to franchise it, and it becomes a corporate entity, uh, like the McDonald's guys. Right. Uh, we, we didn't hear a lot about them. It became Ray Kroc's company, the McDonald's guys or whoever they were. You didn't hear from them. They lost control of the company. It's very akin to that. Thank you, Steve. I got to go. Uh, get your Fearless Army swag at shopblazemedia.com uh, slash fearless. I'm sorry. Shopblazemedia.com slash fearless. All right, Uncle Jimmy and our approval rating on Dave Chappelle. It's my obligation on hate discrimination, raising up your hands for freedom. We must exist in a state of man glorious, as we are protected by the red, the white, and the blue. But remember, the mind is the key. The fearless soldier pledges to place God first and foremost in his everyday endeavors of life. We, the fearless army, are one nation under God, indivisible with freedom and a belief in the American dream. The men bold enough to join our movement comprise what we like to call the new dream team. We are leaders of our families, our churches, and of this nation. We reject the seeds of division that are planted by corporate media misinformation. We affirm that all men are created equal and are endowed with inalienable rights, which are granted by our Heavenly Father. We are bound by honor to accept God's challenge, to take the flag and lead, to cherish, to protect, and to nurture the life of our unborn seed. I am a fearless soldier, so shed no tears for me. I am not a victim. I am the man that God made me to be. Amen. All right, welcome back. Time for the approval rating uh, with Uncle Jimmy. Uh, we'll get his take on uh, Dave Chappelle, his attacker, and uh, you know how we handled the entire conversation. Uh, Jim, as someone that uh, does comedy and has seen, you know, we've seen Chris Rock assaulted. Now Dave Chappelle assaulted. Are you afraid for your life? Um. No, but before I go, before we get started there, can I give you an approval rating on one thing real quick? Go ahead. Because you told a story, and I, America, I know what y'all thinking. Listen, you do realize that you and I have ridden in a car to Denver, and we've ridden, you do realize that, right? <laughs> yes. So I can speak, America, I've smelled Jason's farts. <laughs> Jason deserved to have his ass beat. Okay, you did say, now listen, bro, you said, well, I did it once. And he warned you like, son, don't do that again. You thought it was Hard a joke. Hard head makes a soft behind. <laughs> anyway, and, bro, you yeah. deserved that. That, you, that was well deserved. It, it's, and I still haven't forgotten it. And that had to be. I'm 55. That had to be. Hey, man, you know, I got in trouble. 45, I, 46 years ago. I hate to even say this, but you know, I got in trouble for the Marines, for, in the Marines for the same thing. In the Marines? Well, I got in trouble in the Marines for the same thing. We was in a, uh, uh, supposed to be in a meeting, and I just let out one just to be funny. I never done so many bends and thrusts in my life. And he said, you think it's funny? You think it's funny? You think it's funny when you're in a foxhole and everyone's got to be quiet and you blow your ass and the enemy hears it and then he gets everyone killed? 
kind of took the fun out of it for me. <laughs> like, damn, it was just a fart, man. Don't go there. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I wouldn't do this at a foxhole in Vietnam. <laughs> it was fun because you got to be quiet. Yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, Let's go. Dave Chappelle standing strong. I'm a little surprised this guy attacked him as yoked up as Dave is these days. Uh, but uh, let's start. I think this tour or whatever he's taping is called Netflix is a Joke. He's taking a bunch of met, uh, money from Netflix. Now maybe he's taking a pot shot. Anyway, job performance uh, for Dave Chappelle. I don't have him at perfect, uh, but I got him close. I got him at a 24. I'm going to give him a 25. And I'm giving him a 25 because, remember, he had the Chappelle show, and he was on top of the world. He walked off and left millions of dollars on the table. And what did the industry tell us? The industry told us Dave Chappelle left that money on the table so he could go to Africa and smoke crack. We didn't hear from Dave for six or seven years. Dave just popped up about four years ago, back on the scene. That's a job performance, to go down and come back up. Give him that. Come on. We forgot they told that story on Dave. I know. I think Dave, and again, I do believe Dave thinks that was a story and not the truth. And Oh, yeah. It was a story. Not what he was doing. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, so, but, but that, that just kind of go. Dave doesn't fit the Hollywood narrative. That's what that dude I'm has stayed you. in Ohio, stayed with his wife and kids. And again, I, I don't know all the details of his personal life, but I do think his point of view and his sense of humor is influenced greatly by the fact that he's stayed in Ohio. He's not out in Hollywood in, in the land of L.A. and all the, you know, sexual gender dysphoria issues. So anyway, uh, character, uh, I'll give Dave a 22. Uh, I've marked it. He's lost three points because he's a cigarette smoker. I just I don't get that at in 2022 why Dave still continues to smoke cigarettes. But so I marked him down a character there was 22. I'm sure that if you probably asked Dave Chappelle, he would probably tell you the only reason I smoke cigarettes on stage is because I can't smoke weed. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, I give Dave for character. I give him a 25. Honest to goodness, because if you watch the whole video, seriously, if you watch the whole video, even after he went back with and he came, because he came back on and did the whole yes, set. finished up. Did you hear Dave crack jokes talking about, ooh, his hair was so spongy? <laughs> I did not catch that. Bro, he was still cracking jokes. You know, so I, that's a professional, man. J- Jamie Foxx was on stage hype, like, yeah, we can. He's like, yeah, man, look here, man. But his hair was so spongy. <laughs> that's a professional. Come on, man, let's go. Authenticity. Uh, this is my lowest score. I'm going to give him a 17 because I, I, I think Dave pretends to be a Trump hater. I don't think he hates Donald Trump at all. Uh, I, I think that Dave, again, for Dave's honest, but only up to a point. So I give him a 17. Well, I'm going to give him a 25 again, because I believe, you know, there's a lot of truth in your, you know, you can, there's a lot of truth in your comedy, right? And I always talk about one of my favorite characters of Dave Chappelle's when he do Rick James. Dave Chappelle been telling y'all, what did the five fingers say to the face? <laughs> he didn't believe him. <laughs> Jason, that dude went to a Dave Chappelle concert. He ended up at a Gap Band concert. <laughs> Talking about boots up, side your head. Come on, man. Boots that, up, side your head. Yeah. <laughs> That's authenticity. Ended up in a hospital, yeah. Uh, it factor, I don't know if you could be more it than Dave. Uh, I'll give him a perfect score of 25 in It Factor. Uh, he is the biggest attraction in comedy. You know what, man? I think, you know, you said Black Lives Matter, and you said that they had something to do with this. Jason, I'm going to be really honest with you and tell you what really bothers me about this, about this whole thing about Dave Chappelle, about Will Smith snapping Chris, Chris Rock. It's because America has set the precedence, and you talk about it all the time. The only way you can kill a black person is if who? Is if you're white, a white cop, right? Don't matter if black people kill black people, right? So, but if a white person would attack, okay, we wouldn't be having this conversation. But since a black person did it, it's okay, right? Because remember, we're all, all through YouTube, we see ghetto brawls and we know how we act on the streets. But now it's getting acceptable in the highest places, you know, in the highest statue. So here's what bothers me, man. Honest to goodness, man, this is not a joke. We set the standard that says it's okay to attack a black man while he's doing his job, right? 
Hey man, who is the most important black man in America right now? Clarence Thomas. And it's Roe versus Wade. The only way you're going to stop this, and you got about 43 days, you got to have five votes. If you got lose one, this bill is not going to pass. They got to find a way to do it. You're setting Clarence Thomas up because you're trying to tell people that this is how you stop a black man if you don't like what he's doing on his job. I'm sorry, man. I know it wasn't funny, but I had to get that in there. That's actually pretty good. It's something to think about. That's a good note. So you got him at a 25 and it fact. He's a fool. He's, he's blazing, man. We love, we love Dave, him. man. I'm Dave sorry. Dave at man. an 88 smoke show. Uh, Jim's got him at 100, blazing hot. Because he told you what, he realized what BLM means. Black licks matter. <laughs> Especially when they get upside your head. Let me step on your point about Clarence Thomas. Okay. Uh, that, that's something to think about. And, and again, that's not said as a prediction, but it is said about like, what, what is our culture, where are we at on violence against black men? I think we're kind of for it. That again, whether you are the perpetrator or the victim of it, we're gonna celebrate you. Mm. Uh, and you know, may, maybe that, you know, uh, anyway, mm. something to think about. All right, that's tomorrow, we'll see you tomorrow. I just want, I wanna be, I just want, I wanna be, I just want, I wanna be, I just want.